Okay, I uh, I got in the middle of something and um, I'm crazy because uh, my formatting didn't work out and um, I'm, where the hell is the studio? Because uh, um, damn. Um, <clears throat> anyways, uh, fuck, I'm not even in the chat room. See, this is what happens when I just decide on a whim to um, just start a podcast and I don't even. Um, I don't even know what fucking day it is. Is it Tuesday? It's Tuesday. Uh, just craziness. I'm not even logged in. <sighs> that didn't work. Refresh. Um, tonight we're going to talk about uh, misunderstandings. Um, why the fuck is my chat room all like that? Um. <laughs> okay. Um, and, uh, I didn't even, like, promote the chat. I didn't even promote the fucking podcast. Uh, let me go, um, uh, broadcasting now. Uh, it's, I can't even. I'm at a loss. I'm lost. You're lost? Dude, I'm lost. Did you take a wrong turn? <laughs> In Albuquerque, no less. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best place to make a wrong turn. Well, see, here's turn. the thing, because you know, I decided I wanted to post Revenant on um on a uh, wild hair, but then I got stupid with it, and so um uh I'm in the middle of it. <laughs> I can't, I can't not, I can't leave it the way it is. It's driving me nuts. You can't can't leave it partially posted. That would be terrible. That'd be like getting half a tattoo or something. I know, right? What do you mean you have to take a lunch break? (laughs) We can't be, no, we can't have this. We can't have this. So, um. You can't even think I heart Mo. Is I had tried, (laughs) I had tried to, um, do tabs, but I fucked the tabs up, and now it's all one big jumbled mess. I can't leave it that way. It, you understand, right? <laughs> I, of course I understand. <sighs> I'm the person who would call for me and go, I'm sorry, I'm going to be late to dinner. I fucked up my website. And they're like, so? I'm like, it's just the way it has to be. I, I, did fuck up my, I did fuck up my website this week, but I do not have time to deal with it, and every day it drives me crazy that I know it's messed up. Now I'm not convinced that I posted the right parts in the right tab. See? I want to update it. This is what happens. This is what happens when you have an, an, an a condition. It's called obsessive-compulsive disorder. And um, this is why I don't um, allow critique on my website. Um, I people think it's because I have um, a thin skin. I don't. Um, I don't actually care um, what you think of my work if you don't like it. Um, but what does drive me absolutely bonkers is if I have somebody come on my site and point out or or say in passing, oh, this was great, but your grammar needs work. And then I obsess for three fucking weeks over it. Yeah, it's like, wait, which part sucks? Which needs work? What What, what are you talking about? Or they'll point out but there were a few typos. In a 50-fucking-thousand-word post, there are a few typos. 
Are you fucking kidding me? Are and I I can't deal with it. Someone um early on I had um um misspelled Miko's last name. The thing is that Miko and Dr. Kasanji um are mixed in Fanon, but they're not um there's no canon proof they're actually the same person. Everybody just assumes they are, which could be racist. Um, anyways, so that's what, but I um, spelled her last name wrong. Anyways, so I was just going to leave it that way, not even worry about it. And But someone commented on it, and I got obsessed, and then I spent, I kid you not, I spent a week fixing the spelling of her name because I had to, Find all the examples of it on my website. And at the time, the find function on WordPress wasn't that great. Because this was like in 2008 or nine. It just wasn't awesome. And so I had to read through all the stories and do manual finds. Um, because there were changes on the website that weren't in my... Uh, anyways, then I had to go through my final copies and change all of her last names. Um which worked faster because it was Word. And then I had to go into all my rough drafts. And if you know me, you know I have two or three rough drafts of every project I do, unless they're those little shorts I do for rough trades, those little form shorts. Um, so in all in all, it took me about a week, um, because at the time I was working full-time, to fix the spelling of her last name because some asshole had to point it out on my site. Don't just don't. I've been through. The, I've been through the same thing. At the time, I was, I was not putting up posts at the time when somebody. Last time I let somebody kind of get to me like that, um, and I had eBooks, and I had made a name misspelling. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it was the same thing. It was, it was. I had put in Abby's last name. I was spelling it S C U I T O, which is the way it sounds to me, but it's S C I U T O. <sighs> This, it's just an I and a U crossed, right? It shouldn't have been a big deal, but of course they had to point that out to me, and I had to go change everything. I had to go fix it everywhere, including the ebooks, and that is time consuming. Yes, it's really annoying. Um, and so, so anytime somebody points out an error like that, I have to go fix it everywhere. It's it can take hours, it can take days, depending on what kind of error it is, and then that's time I'm not writing. <laughs> or doing or doing anything that you might enjoy more than redoing something that you've already done. Because, you know, we all just love to redo our shit. I, once of those I post finished works, it's because I want to be done with them. Oh, hey, I must um, not be the only person that, that got broken on that theme. Because um, they just pushed a theme update, the third theme update this week on that theme, and it sort of fixed everything. I had so many problems. You know, that that was my theme. I loved Graphene. Um, it was my favorite theme in WordPress. Um, I used it, and um, it was very um, adaptable, and I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, but every time he updates, there would be a problem. And my site is really too big. For that kind of ambiguity, yeah. Because um, well, once he, I hit the, okay. once you hit what? Well, once I hit one million words, 
I noticed that um, sometimes, and I don't know if it's the CSS in that profile or whatever, but some of the pages would stop working because of the word count on them or the number of comments on them. And I only ever encountered that in the graphene theme. Mm-hmm. Um, Ties that bind, um, I had to make a new page for it because it had over 500 comments and it kept breaking. But when I changed the theme, it stopped breaking. Because when he he put a comment in that he they had sent out an email that they were doing a big theme update. He was finally having a version two of Graphene with all these features people have been asking for, and it was it was in beta for months. Um, and I didn't notice when I was doing my updates that that version two was rolling out because I thought it was still in beta, and I just updated all of my themes, and all of a sudden my site was trashed, and I was like, what is this? What is, is this? Everything, everything's all compressed on the left side of the screen. How can he? Look, nobody else have noticed that. Mm. The thing is about me is that my site. Um, I invest a lot of. Um, um, I put a lot of effort into my site, making it organized and um, making it look just the way I wanted it to look. And every time he would update, there would be something wrong with it, and it would infuriate me. I would get absolutely furious. Mm-hmm. Um. So when I made Wild Hair and Rough Trade, there was never even, I mean, I, Rough Trade was on Graphene origin, um, originally, but then I moved it to the new theme that I picked out that I'm really happy with um, that I've not had any of the problems that I have with Graphene because it was driving me bonkers. But I love that theme. I just wish that he was a little more careful with everything Every time he updated it, yeah. Right. Because I, mean, be I left great. a comment. I left a comment on the, you know, support. I said, I'm not asking for support, but you broke my site. And, um, you know, Really, it, it you, you broke everything. Um, and the thing is, I mean, I didn't have time. I mean, I fixed what I could real quick, but it actually takes a while to switch, as you know, to switch to a new theme because um, all of the this with, with WordPress, you know, you have to pick the menus that are displayed. And if you just randomly switch, a, switch to a theme, it does this weird default thing that just trashes the site, and you have to. So I had to stick Your with graphing inside. Oh, it, 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 the widget, everything is just wrong. And so it's changing themes is a little bit of work. So um, I was like, well, I can do a quick fix on some of these other problems faster than I can um, deal with um, changing themes because I don't have time to go set up new menus and fix all the widgets and shit. So I said, I'll do it. You know, I'll do it next week or something. But I mean, even though. Um, even, even though it may be fixed now, I, there's no way that I'm going to stick with this thing. It's so it, it makes you nervous, doesn't it? It does because you go. It's got an update. Is the update going to help me or hose me or make or ruin my <laughs> life for the for the next fifteen hours while I stew over it until he, until he posts a fix? I can't handle it. I can't handle that. I did move Phoenix to Wild Hair. Um, I I had taken Phoenix down because of the problems with graphene, and then I got irritated with the Harry Potter fandom and just never put it back up. But then I realized that really wasn't fair to people who are very kind to me. In um, the Harry Potter fandom, and I thought when we were putting Wild Hair together, I didn't know what I was going to offer on Wild Hair um, as a as a as an icebreaker, basically, to let people know that I was serious about Wild Hair and and the purpose of it. And so I thought if I'm going to do that for Wild Hair, I I need to to put something on there that um, that I am particularly invested in, something that's actually important to me. And Phoenix is one of those stories. Um, sometimes you write a story um, 
and this is going to sound weird to to a non-writer, and I'm I'm sorry. Um, not really. Uh, sometimes you write a story from your brain, and sometimes you write a story from your heart. Um, and what I mean is, sometimes you write a story from a very emotional place, and sometimes you write a story from a very intellectual place. Well, Phoenix for me, it comes from a very emotional place, um, and I think that is probably telling. In the actual craft of the work, you can see um, that it's a it's very emotional for me. I hope you can because that was my intent. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I realized that when we were putting together Wild Hair, Jilly and I, that I wanted to to let you know that I was serious about what it was and, and what I was offering um, other writers. And so that's why I put Phoenix on um, Wild Hair. So, and we are grateful. <laughs> And because yeah, because it, it was a twofer. One, I really because it had been out in fandom for so long. A lot of people asked about it and were really disappointed not to see it because it had. Um, uh, I had taken it down in a fit because of the stupid site, and then didn't put it back up because of the stupid fandom. <laughs> So, but yeah, it, it, it's on wild hair. To, it was just as a demonstration of um, the fact that I was um, that I wasn't. I was going to walk the walk, so to speak. <laughs> but someone is doing a um, a story for their. Uh, for their nano inspired by my Revenant series from over the summer. And I realized, because one of the things that I encountered when I was writing Revenant and when I was putting Revenant out on Rough Trade, many, 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 many people were asking for the source material and were kind of surprised that I was the source material. And so Penumbria, ever how you say her name, um, is going to be writing um, in the trope. Um, that I inadvertently created, uh, and um, she, I don't want her to have to, to have that issue, and her have nowhere to point, <laughs> 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 because it will get really frustrating. I'm sure, you know, because it, it was fast. frustrating for me. It, it got really old really fast, and it was very frustrating for me. And so I wanted to um, to make sure she didn't encounter that. Um, uh, during her writing process, because I, well, I can't, con- I can't control what people email to her or post on her own site or post on her Facebook or, or, or on her Tumblr or wherever she goes. So um, it's going to come up, and uh, I wanted her to have a place where she could, she could point to, and not have to, you know, deal with that crap. <laughs> Because it crap, will come up. Crap, it will come up, and nobody wants to deal with that kind of consistently, constantly, boom, boom, boom. So I thought it was it would be easier just just to post it on Wild Hair so that she would have somewhere to you know to point. And so and the other thing that would help, and I speak from experience on this one, is that um, they'd ask her, she'd point to you, and if it wasn't up, then you get written. I've heard about blah 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 blah. Yeah, so where is where it? Is it? <laughs> And that's the last thing I need during my nano. Um, but yeah, I mean, because and so it wouldn't be her fault because people, no, no, you know, no. 
she read it on Rough Trade. She has every expect you know she has the expectation that you read it on Rough Trade. And so, um, but there are people um, who read her who don't read me and who might not have stumbled across it on Rough Trade um, during the summer. And so, I didn't want her to have to, to um, have nowhere to point since it's not available on my site. Well, I'm not I'm not sad about it going up on Wild Hair Project, not even a little bit. <laughs> But it's a little hinky, okay, because there are elements um, that I have done some world building on that are not in my series yet. Um, so, uh, yeah, but it is a rough draft, and that's what you get from a rough draft. If everything's a little rough. <laughs> it's a little rough. It's a little rough. Well, son of a bitch, I didn't put my fucking... Um. Uh, art on there, and I was really proud of my art. I made that art. I was really proud of it. It was great art. You should definitely get it up. But at least it's you know it's you tabbing monster. That looks good. Yeah, that was the problem. That was the problem. It was tabbed, and I fucked the tabs up, so it wasn't showing the tabs. It was just showing one big blob of. 39K. Wild of Awesome. <laughs> Wild of Awesome with no episodes. So it's really rude. <sighs> but, um, what are we here for? What's our podcast about tonight? Misunderstandings. <laughs> misunderstanding. And, and, and I would, and I would, would say misunderstandings and miscommunication because most misunderstandings come out of miscommunication, but not all miscommunication necessarily results in a misunderstanding. Whatever. I was I was telling Julie before the podcast that if I have to read one more story where Thorin is actually alive and he's sleeping in the stones to heal in the mountain and Bilbo thinks he's dead and goes back to the Shire to mourn his life away, I'm going to die. But then I would go click on a new one if they had one right now. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Quit having this misunderstanding. Click. Click. <laughs> I can't even help myself. I'm a click. <laughs> One of the things I do to avoid writing my um, my nano um, is to binge in a fandom p- polar opposite from my from my choice. Um, so currently I'm binging in The Hobbit because I couldn't imagine anything far further removed from Hawaii Five O and NCIS than The Hobbit. <laughs> Notice. She, she needs to. She needs to not be focusing on urban fantasy. So she went to high fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> it's different. Sort of. The fandom, not the topic. I mean, you know. I know. I mean, I just I do the same thing most of the time. Whereas I try to go to a different um, um, fandom for what I'm reading. But you know, right now I've mentioned I'm moving, so it's like my fandom right now is. U-Haul. Um, <laughs> there isn't a lot, a lot to read in that fandom, so it's a little disconcerting. Yeah, but you know, so it's like every spare time, every spare minute is put in between. You know, I've got I've got to do work, and then I've got packing or move logistics. Um, and it seems like I've had the worst luck lately. It's like when I do have time to sit down and read for an hour or something, which is usually right before bed, I've had the worst luck with picking stories. <laughs> Because I haven't been in the mood to reread stuff. I want to, just something new in my brain. 
And I just will go, okay, I'm going to try that. And then I go, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. No, 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 no. What is with me? I can't seem to my, – my radar for, for summary, reading summaries is completely ruined. <laughs> Something's off. That's not how that works. But misunderstandings has played a role in some of the things that I've been reading lately. And one of the – I think one of the things – Misunderstandings and miscommunication resonate well when they come from the character and who the character is, like like Gibbs not communicating and Tony misunderstanding Gibbs' intention. That makes perfect sense. It really comes from their characters, right? But when the misunderstanding is just derived as a plot device that feels contrived and is used to carry the entire plot – it can be so annoying. It's like, just speak to each other. Just speak. Just use words, people. Just use words. You are criminal profilers. How can you have a misunderstanding this bad? <laughs> doesn't make any sense. Right. And, um, yeah, and misunderstandings can be, they can be really powerful. They can, they can really ratchet up a lot of tension. They can do you know, interesting things. Um, but they can also drive your reader batshit insane. And part of, and I think the thing that can drive people insane is one, hinging an entire plot on a misunderstanding is risky. It's not impossible. It's been it's been done well. Um, like the, you know, there there are stories I've read where it was really good where the, where Bilbo misunderstood what sleeping but what sleeping in the stones meant or whatever. Um, that you know it can it can work for an entire story is the plot device for an entire story, but there are times when it's just like you know they've had fifty opportunities to just speak and they never do, and that can be so frustrating um that is it's like contrived tension, and it's like all anybody had to do was speak up and say, "I'm pregnant um and <laughs> nobody nobody does <laughs> nobody ever manages to those two words I'm pregnant." Um, the secret baby is like, um, I can't even, yeah. unless it's Bilbo. <laughs> yeah, unless it's Bilbo. Uh, the, funny, the funny, the most hysterical thing, I think it was, I don't remember which story it was, but I did read a story where, and I can't believe I'm blanking on who wrote this or what the story was, where Bilbo kept telling everybody he was pregnant, and they just kept laughing him off like he was making some sort of, some sort of weird hobbity sense of humor. Um so the misunderstanding was hysterical, and it did. It did. This is a case of where a misunderstanding can drive the whole plot, and it's awesome because it was hysterical that he keeps going, "I'm pregnant," and everybody's like, "Uh huh," <laughs> until he's popping out a baby, and then there's dwarves passing out everywhere, and that was awesome. It was it was hysterical that they that this misunderstanding because he's communicating clearly, and the dwarves are just like, "Right, sure you are." Pat him on the head and move on. Um, and then there's there's little dwabbits <laughs> all of a sudden they're like where did these come from? Um, I totally cannot remember the story for some reason, but that is a misunderstanding that was not born out of miscommunication. It's it, it was born out of cultural. This is a case of where where a misunderstanding is born out of something that makes sense, which is it was born out of cultural differences that were not easily um, gotten around without people really sitting down and having a clear, concise conversation, which is not likely to happen in the middle of war. So it made perfect sense. 
Um, it was born out of the character. It was born out of cultural differences, things that, that logically made sense, as opposed to just, you know, grown adults who somehow lose their ability to speak coherently in each other's presence, which, you know, that can happen too. But, um, yeah, but usually um, when I'm coming. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know if anybody ever watched um, anybody on the in the podcast or has ever watched the watched the, the show Frasier, the comedy from the the nineties and early two thousand. Um, but Frasier was incredibly articulate until he had to be. <laughs> Anytime they needed, um, they had a lot of plots that were driven off of his inability to communicate in certain situations, like. I don't know, talking to a beautiful woman, or just anytime he got flustered, he would lose his ability to communicate um, and just stick his foot right in it. And sometimes that seemed contrived, but it was such a fixture in the show that when he was on the spot, he would lose his ability to to communicate articulately, articulately, that it started becoming natural to his character, that... um, that in romantic situations or in stressful job situations or anytime he got flustered out of his comfort zone, his communication skills went to shit. So it was something that seemed a little incongruous with the character at first, but then after, you know, 10, 12 seasons, however many they had on the air, um, about midway through, it just was him. That was just the way he was. So anytime he got into a difficult situation, you knew he was going to communicate poorly and they were going to use that as a plot device. So... You know, it started making sense. It was born out of the character. They sort of fed that into the character as opposed to it just being convenient. Um, and that's one of those things It's like if you're going to characterize somebody that way, characterize somebody as, as having communication issues at certain times or have difficulty speaking around certain issues or just not speaking at all, um, misunderstandings can easily be, become from that. Miscommunication, misunderstandings can easily come from that. But... If it, it doesn't have any context for the for the miscommunication, especially if it's a major plot device, um, it can just be like, why is this happening? And, and, you, and that's the last thing you want. The readers, the writer out. Whole right. You, you, so, you know what you're reading? Going, well, why didn't they talk that time? Two scenes later, they're still not talking. Okay, grown-ups. I want you to act like grown-ups and speak to one another. Misunderstandings. Yes, misunderstandings can be great, but. It can, they can also be super frustrating for the reader, especially if the entire um, plot is driven on them. Uh, Will, Will I add? The ninja found it already. You can count on. It is dumb as rocks. I cannot pronounce that. I usually am pretty good at figuring <laughs> I usually... I can sometimes figure out these. I have no idea how to pronounce that. There's too many H's and C's there at the beginning. It it sounds phlegmy in my head. We're just going to call her Holly. (laughs) Holly. There you go, Holly. Dumb as Rocks on AO3 by H-C-H-O-L-L-Y-M. H-C-Holly-M. There you go. (laughs) But... I think that for short fix like that, you know, the it's just funny, you know. But if that had gone on for like 10k, it would have stopped being funny. Yes, if if he was if Bubba was diligently, seriously trying to get people to believe he was pregnant, 
and you know for an entire novel they were ignoring him it, it really would not be it, it does get old after a little while but yeah in a short story it can be super amusing well see at, at 2k it's hilarious but at 10k it's bashing a whole race yeah it's you know that they're too dumb to ever catch on to the fact that he's pregnant. And he doesn't, actually, until they give... They don't actually catch on until he gives birth. (laughs) Until the baby literally comes out of his... faux vagina. (laughs) Male preg. What a world. (laughs) It's... I don't know, it's, you know, but it, it, it's funny in the short, but it is also kind of, hmm. <laughs> Well, you, this is the case of thinking of the ramifications of the misunderstanding, but with a short, with something that's two or three thousand words, it's you're through track, the whole thing. So. Be- you, you, you're through the whole thing before you start thinking about the ramifications of it. Um, and, well, and for me, um, crack usually holds together better in a short story, Um I I don't I've never had the endurance for 50k crack. I once read a crack that was I don't even know, it might be 100k I don't even know how long is Make a Wish. Well, okay, that's crack fic, but I don't know that's <laughs> that's I don't know what, I don't, I don't like, even know what to call that. That's like winning crack fic. I don't even know. It is. I, I would I would even call it crack. It's like it's like Keystone Potter. You know, it's just. <laughs> It's it's just it's so different because as long as it's rock crack, literally it's, fall. It's, Rocks it's, literally it's, fall. It's so it's cracky, but it's crack in a in a way where like Harry isn't aware. Nobody's aware of it, right? It's like there's nobody's aware of the absurdity. It's like Harry's just blithely going on. I'm completely unaware that all this stuff is happening. So he's just a man on vacation. I think Harry's cluelessness about it is part of why it doesn't. It holds together. It's because if he was aware of all of this, like, you know, if he was aware that he was doing these things and causing this chaos, I don't know that it would hold together for so long as being so funny. But his cluelessness <laughs> about it, that he's blithely going on on his vacation and Death Eaters are just dropping dead in his wake, is, and his obliviousness to it is really what helps that um, hold together as as for as long as it does. I read a Hobbit fic where it was almost, I thought it was going to be crack, but it wasn't. Um, Hobbits, when they fall in love, they start digging holes to attract their mate. And Bilbo kept arbitrarily digging holes and they were all like, the girls were like what the fuck is he doing what's going on <laughs> and Gandalf comes back to them and he finds um, Bilbo digging a hole and he Bilbo would get upset and then he would go dig another one and he tells Thorin that it's um it's part of their mating process that he's he's trying to tell show you that that he can provide and so um, Thorin goes with him and when he digs a hole Thorin tells him that it's great, that it's good, that it's perfect, you know, and Bilbo relaxes and it's fine, and I was like, that is just the cutest thing I've ever read. Because <laughs> I was expecting really sweet. that, but it, 
but it wasn't. And it was just really charming. And I was like, wow, look at that. <laughs> it was just the cutest well, thing. Sometimes you have um, cracky ideas that don't wind up with a cracky implementation. Um, and sometimes you have serious ideas that wind up with, that do wind up crack. So um, you never quite sometimes don't know. Because I remember there's a story that I really like in the Hawaii Five O fandom by, I want to say by Joe Lawson. Oh, the one I love where, Joe um, The one where Danny's um, shark. I think there's, he may have two. But anyway, he calls it, I think he calls it crack in his description. And it may be that, cause, I mean, that was the case, like, I read the story expecting crack, um, and I didn't get it. And I was like, there's no crack here. Where's the crack, man? <laughs> there's no crack to be found. And I think that may have been a case of where he thought he had a cracky idea, that, but the implementation wasn't cracky. And, the, you he, know, was he was a megalodon. He was an ancient, yeah. like a prehistoric shark. I've read, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's he's the ancient one. Um, he's he's from the ancient race, and there's other other species of these shifters, um, and they don't know what Danny is because Danny hasn't really been going in the water or something like that. Then and they find great. out, and it was like, whoa, right. okay, <laughs> okay, we'll leave you alone, dude. <laughs> Our bad. Welcome but that to was, <laughs> and I didn't find that to be cracky at all in its implementation. But and I and I may be like thinking of, I may have my wires crossed or conflating two different things, but. I thought that he called it crack in his. Um... Now I have to look it up. Well, he had really another one where Danny was a merman. Um, yeah, and that and they were apparently vicious um, in the water. Uh, I thought was really good. Um, but Very Joe good. Lawson has a whole collection of. Um, stories about Danny and Steve being various um, sea animals that I really appreciate. Good stuff, but I'm not reading yeah, it in Hawaii. It's one, it's one of his tags right now. <laughs> it's one of his tags is uh, Jaws. He, it, the story's called Jaws, and one of his tags is Crack. Um, and so I, I do try to. I if somebody has a reasonable number of tags, I do read them. <laughs> so I but if you have more tags than you have story, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But so I saw the Crack. I might go start reading it. I was like. Man, this is awesome. There's no because I, I kind of have my guard up when I read crackfic, and because it was Joe Lawson, I was willing to take the chance, you know. One of my favorite crackfics in um, any fandom is um, Stargate, um, and it's by something McFadden. Um, John and Rodney get turned into penguins. Oh, I need to read this. I haven't read that. It's over on Racebait. Um, and um, it is fucking adorable. John gives Rodney a pebble, um, and that's apparently part of their rating, their their mating ritual. And, and Penguin John and Penguin Rodney keep getting it on as much as two male penguins can, um, much to Ford's horror. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, is they remember being penguins, and because um, Ford accidentally hurt Rodney trying to keep him out of the water so he wouldn't get eaten, you know, and um, Shepard was pissed <laughs> when, he, when he got his body back. He was pissed because Rodney got hurt. Um, but it's, yeah, it, they get turned into penguins, and it... I found the link. It, it's hilarious and, and funny and... Um, uh, charming at the same time. It's it's just great. It, it's, it's on Wraith Bait. And um, oh, what's the title? It is called Mating Rituals. Called Mating Rituals, and it's by Karen McFadden. 
Um, and mm-hmm. you can find it on Race Bait. Um, McFadden is spelled M-C-F-A-D-Y-Y-O-N. It, that spelling tripped me up for a little bit. But, yeah, she's great. Um, you should read all her work, actually. She's awesome. Um, but that story in particular is just probably the first crack fic I ever read. I didn't even know what crack was when I first joined the fandom. And I was like, what's crack? And someone was like, let me help you. <laughs> <laughs> and gave me that link. And I was like, well. <laughs> but then I realized that not all crack was equal. <laughs> One of the more well, you know, I just angsty. Talk about misunderstanding. Go ahead. I was going to say is about you know misunderstanding is, is that um, one of the that you can beyond taking it too far, you can also um, make it impossible for your characters to get past it. Yeah. Uh, so you have to be careful when you're doing a misunderstanding because while you can write your characters getting back past it, it won't be realistic. It won't resonate with your reader as as, as possible. Um, I think that uh, uh, BDSM fix do this sometimes, where one person will think it boils down to a bad communication, um, where you write one character who is in the scene and one who really isn't. And so it becomes an issue of dubious consent um, where they're trying to to do something that they really don't want to do because the characters aren't communicating. And I've seen people do that in their work, and that's very dangerous to, to do um, for your work because it uh, can make uh, your reader deeply uncomfortable, but it can also make your reader hate your character. Mm-hmm. And alienating your your readers from your um, main character uh, is what's the last thing you want is for your people to be sitting there going, "Man, I hate this guy." <laughs> like, I want him well, to he be gets, set on he get, fire. He, he gets the boy girl or whatever in the end. Um, so maybe. <laughs> I was thinking, trying to think of this movie. I can't believe I'm blanking on the name of a classic movie. That the crux of the plot is born out of a mis... It's sort of a misunderstanding. Um, and why can't I find it? <laughs> In your brain. I'm trying to think of a... Uh, the movie where they're supposed to be on the top of the Empire State Building and one gets in an accident, the hero, hero, heroine gets in an, an accident. And a fair to remember. And a fair to remember, thank you. I couldn't remember the name. It just, like, blanked on it. <laughs> that, But that's another, that, that is one where the, 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 the climax, the crux of the plot is around them misunderstanding or him misunderstanding why she wasn't there. And that's a really good case of where... Um, the misunderstanding doesn't happen when they're on screen together initially, the one that is really carrying the plot. Uh, um, they, aren't, they aren't together when he misunderstands why she's not there. So you, you don't have that, 
that they can't speak, you know, thing to get around, where they can't communicate like adults thing to get around. Um, and and so the misunderstanding has to carry the plot for the through, through the climax because the climax is resolving the misunderstanding in that case. Because usually when you're using a misunderstanding as, a, as the major plot device, the climax does revolve around um, clearing up the misunderstanding. And in that case, that was also secret. Misunderstandings and secrets a lot of times go together because sometimes misunderstanding is born out of one person needing to keep a secret or wanting to keep a secret. So a lot of times they can go together. But how you do it and what you do with that is it has to be a misunderstanding that really can carry the plot and not be annoying. Because just two people not able to communicate, rarely, in my in my experience, in my opinion, is rarely just two people not being able to speak like adults when they're in the same room together carry the entire plot successfully. And if anybody in the chat room can think of an example, that would be great of where that did work. Um, I can't think of one either. Because yeah. it gets like, um, there comes a point in that particular situation where one character, or maybe even both, depending on the situation, comes off as abusive. When you are put, when you are purposefully keeping information from another person, um, and it is creating masses, massive amounts of conflict and hurt, that is abuse. Mm-hmm. And you can't hand wave it in your fiction and expect your reader to to get that to to understand your hand waving um because um once you've turned your character into someone who abuses others it's really hard to come back from that unless they're being cursed magically or they got a brain tumor or something i don't know but it's just you know but sometimes you have to fix it in a way that they're not responsible for their own actions, which is a cop out. But sometimes, even when they are, even when sometimes even when you do that, where they're not responsible, like I don't know, they're possessed or, um, actually, possession is a pretty good one, but it still can be really hard to get get around, right? Because if someone is possessed and they do something terrible to somebody. You can say, okay, well, I accept that your behavior wasn't your own, and I forgive you, but things will never be the same. Right, because it's still difficult to get around the fact that the person who maybe did something horrible to you, hurt you, traumatized you, tried to kill you, whatever, is wearing the, you know, it, it may not have been them in their head, but it's still that face. I mean, One that's of the things that, that I have to do in Hobbit fan fiction is I cannot under any circumstances, right, Thorin trying to kill Bilbo and then have right. a relationship afterwards. Even though he was under the the influence of that thing, even if Bilbo re- realistically understands it. And this is a case of where, like, I think we talked before about this, that sometimes I can read something and enjoy it that I can't write. So I, I can, can read I can, it. I can't write it. Right. So and I can even, read Bilbo and Thorin reading getting it's uncomfortable. Up. I mean, yeah. I think that I can, Bilbo has to be... There, there has to yeah. be... Forgiveness isn't cheap. No, it's not. Yeah, no, it doesn't. Just... Non-con- 
Non-canon fan. Non-canon fan? Is that what your name means? Because um, I never really said your name out loud before. Um, no, that an, an apology or um, finding out the person wasn't themselves or um, or they were possessed or cursed or there was polyjuice doesn't erase the trauma of the event um, that took place. Um, it's just, I don't I see how poly- it possibly could. Polyjuice is an interesting one because if someone polyjuices themselves as someone else, so let's say... Draco apologized himself to look like Harry in order to sleep with Ginny. Don't everybody freak out by... I'm picking something improbable, okay, so that I don't tread on anybody's story. Um, So if Draco wanted to sleep with Ginny and he apologizes himself to look like Harry, okay, um, that's not really a misunderstanding. That's rape. 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 It's rape. Because she is only, she's consenting to have sex with her husband. She's not consenting to have sex with a stranger wearing her husband's face. Um, so polyjuice can really create big issues if it's used, depending on how it's used in Harry Potter. And it's something you have to be careful about hand-waving away. Because um, it's not trivial. It's not trivial to, to, to wear somebody else's face in order to have sex with somebody or to gain favors from them or, or whatever. Um, it's really abusive. One of, the more, one of the more interesting stories I read in Harry Potter was about this. And it was a Harry Daphne fic, Harry Daphne Greengrass. Mm-hmm. Um, they were together as a couple. And Ginny and Draco wanted, Ginny wanted Harry and Daphne, and Draco wanted Daphne. And so Harry and Daphne got wind of their plan to polyjuice. So they set the two of them up so that they ended up having sex with each other. Pretending to be, Jenny was pretending to be Daphne and Draco was pretending to be Harry, and they had sex with each other. Aha. Uh-huh. Um. And they didn't. Nothing was ever said about it, right? Until Jenny ends up pregnant and she's announcing to the Great Hall that she's pregnant and now Harry has to marry her, and um, Harry's like, I don't fucking think so. <laughs> <laughs> and they do a paternity charm, and it turns out to be Draco's baby. And that's when they both realize they've been played. So, in that particular instance, um, Ginny and Draco both were rapists. But, they didn't get their intended target. Yeah, that's that's a thorny that's a thorny mess. It's like, uh, it's like, well, I intended, I intended to to rape Harry. Well, I intended to rape Daphne. Well, so you raped me, but you raped me too. I mean, it's that's so right. <laughs> so messed up. The I other, mean, I also read a story recently in Harry Potter fandom where um, Ginny and Ron were trying to potion Harry and Hermione, and the elves switched the potions at Harry and Hermione's suggestion, and Ginny and Ron ended up having sex with each other. Oh, dude, no. No. Oh, yes. It was off screen, or I'd have been running screaming into the night. It was off screen. And the twins kept walking in on them. And the thing is, is that 
the twins found out that Harry and Hermione had switched the potions, and they were mad at them. And it's like, why are you mad at us? They're the ones that tried the potion and rape us. It, they are the victims of their own crime. And they're also the ones still potioning each other. <laughs> because it didn't wear off. So they were still trying to potion Harry and Hermione the whole time. Oh, dude. And banging each other. Right? It, at, I can't even. Because they were literally the victims of their own crime. And I think in that particular instance with Daphne and Draco, in that particular story where they potioned themselves in order to sleep with somebody that they didn't... Um, that they wanted but didn't want them, that they are victims of their own crime. And they have no one to blame but themselves for the situation that they end up in. Yeah. Yeah. It's just terrible. It's just terrible. That's an, un- that's an unusual use of misunderstanding trope. I'm sorry, I misunderstood who I was sexually assaulting. <laughs> That's exactly what it was, though. I was led astray. <laughs> it is instant karma, um, and ugly too. It's an um, it's an ugly. Um, there's an ugly underbelly of both of those fix, um, but again, they literally have no one to blame but themselves for what happened. It's like getting shot when you're committing an armed robbery. Well, if you hadn't been committing an armed robbery, you wouldn't have gotten a shot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There was that rash of problems with lawsuits in the the 90s where, like, criminals who got hurt in the commission of crimes were suing, like, homeowners and stuff. Um, There's, like, some dude who's... In the course of the commission of a crime, he fell on this lady's cutting board or something and got cut with a knife and tried to sue her for his injuries in the course of the commission of his crime. What? No. Thing. The 90s were very litigious. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, if you get hurt committing a crime, no, one, no one's going to feel bad for you. No one's going to feel bad for you. No one should feel bad for you. There was, um, in terms of sort of, so a misunderstanding that kind of drove, that I thought um, worked, it worked as a misunderstanding, but I thought that they um, did some good and some bad with it, and they drug it out for a long time. It's been a TV show. Um so in Buffy, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, there's an episode where Buffy and Faith are fighting. I don't remember the exact context of what they were fighting or how. Buffy tosses a civilian at Faith in the middle of this fight, very intense fight, um, to get the civilian out of the way. But Faith has no clue that's what this person's been tossed to her for, and she's busy killing people right, left, and center, and she stakes this person and kills a human. Oh, God. Um, and it was a huge misunderstanding, right, obviously, because 
Buffy didn't communicate. So this is a case of a misunderstanding born out of miscommunication. Buffy didn't communicate. Faith misunderstood why this person was thrown in her path, and she killed somebody. Um, and they drove a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of the um, a lot of episodes around revolved around faith, based on that misunderstanding. Um, the problem was with that misunderstanding what they did with it because they could have done a lot more with it than they did. They could have done a lot more positive for Faith's characterization than they did with it. They did do some good stuff with it because she really struggled with her guilt about it. But Faith was a badass. She was very tough, and she didn't want to admit to having any um, flaws or vulnerabilities. And so this is where I mentioned that you know misunderstanding is born out of a character's personality um, and often work the best. And so it really made sense that Faith wouldn't want to deal with what had happened and her guilt over it. So she kind of denied it. Um, but the problem was, and this is, this is one of the things that I think authors can get writers, not writers can get blinders on about what they're doing, is that in setting this thing up for faith, they and to create tension between faith and the rest of the group, they sacrificed Buffy's characterization, and they kind of Buffy kind of got up on her high horse about well, faith has killed a human. Um, and got really judgmental about what had happened, even though she had contributed as much to that situation as Faith did. And and they could have made it look like Buffy didn't want to deal with her own culpability, but instead she just came off as superior and obnoxious. And I think it was one of the first, a lot of people wound up disliking Buffy by the end, which was unfortunate because Buffy, I mean, it was called Buffy the Vampire Slayer, not Xander and Willow, you know, the vampire killers. It was Buffy. It was supposed to be Buffy's show. And I think that was one of the first moments they started alienating. Um, not Maybe not the first, but it was a big thing that alienated the audience from the main character was because she was so judgmental and obnoxious about this mistake that had happened that she had contributed to and about um, Faith and being, you know, but then, of course, Faith, you know, took her her issues with Buffy to, um, she did the thing, she wore Buffy's face and had sex with Buffy's boyfriend, um, and partially in retaliation, I would imagine, for this whole thing and how Buffy acted around that. But in dealing with faith and creating this arc for faith, they didn't consider ramifications of what this misunderstanding meant for Buffy. And so everybody's empathizing, not entirely, but most people are empathizing with faith up until the sex thing. Most people are empathizing with faith and not their main character. And really alienating. And so this this went on. This whole thing about faith, it was a major arc for many years for faith character, a major arc for faith character. And it kept coming up over and over and over again about this death and how it had redefined her as a person. Um, but it always came up in a way that made Buffy look bad. And that's the kind of thing you don't want to do. Um, could have been a really good thing, but it it sort of trashed the main character. And but then they the turned audience. around and had Willow basically rape Buffy's boyfriend, which trashed her characterization and made Buffy a victim and her boyfriend a victim. Because that would fix when, everything. Yeah, yeah. So Faith, yeah, it wasn't Willow, it was Faith. Faith, because Faith oh. took something that made her look, she Sorry. swapped, Faith, Faith swapped, Faith I don't swapped bodies with, show. yeah, Faith swapped bodies with, with Buffy and went and slept with her boyfriend, and um, and that didn't help. So now the audience is sort of like doesn't know who to empathize with, right? Because Faith is clearly the bad guy in that situation. So Buffy's totally 
right to be angry with her. But Buffy's anger towards Faith up to that point had been completely not justified. And in the minds, I would say, everybody I ever talked to about Buffy thought that she was completely off the rails over that situation with Faith, when she had, no. was just as culpable as Faith in the, in the tragedy that happened. Okay, Willow um, is then, the redhead that was on yeah. American Pie. And Faith is the brown-headed one that ended up on Angel. She was on Angel for a while, and then she went to do was it Dollhouse um, and Eliza Dushku, and um, she was in the Bring It On, the cheerleader movie. And lately, I know Eliza. Is, okay, that's that's okay. Because yeah, she's the daughter of Eliza. There's another brunette on Angel that was really attractive. Oh, Cordelia. 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 Was, okay. Uh, she, okay. She was the seer, and she was Xander's ex-girlfriend. Okay. Like I said, I never actually watched um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And now yeah, I it, won't, it, because Josh Whedon <laughs> apparently is a dick face. <laughs> um, so yeah, but it was, that was a case of of, of misunderstanding driving um, a major plot arc, but probably not in the way the writers intended. Because you didn't want to divide your loyalties. Because I think they were trying to make Faith into a bad guy very slowly and then redeem her. Except that people really hated Buffy over the way that went down, and that. And once you make your audience hate your character, it's hard to bring them back. Yeah, it's it hard to retcon that situation. Yeah, Willow is mentioning a thick in the Hobbit fandom where there's a misunderstanding because Bilbo has bought mistletoe in the Dale and he keeps putting it around places, and but apparently in in Dwarrow culture, um, mistletoe is a death threat. But for Hobbits, <laughs> it's it's a hint that hey, come kiss me. <laughs> He's trying to get Christmas kisses. <laughs> Or Yuletide okay. Christmases. Okay, and well, we need Link. And they're losing their mind because apparently it's a death threat. There's also a really another interesting one in the Hobbit fandom about um, um, what uh, cultural misunderstanding is that Bilbo and Thorin are together. It's an established relationship. And um, Bilbo gets up one day and he's alone in the um, in their rooms and he comes out of the bedroom and there is a symbol um, that has been carved into their bedroom door, and he freaks out. He thinks it's a death threat because it's not written in a language he understands. Um, so he runs for guards because he thinks somebody, an assassin, has gotten into their um, to their rooms. And um, they all come in there and come to find out it's a blessing from Mahal, and it's Mahal's way of telling Thorin that he can carve a child for him and Bilbo, and they'll have a baby. Oh. And it was really, I was like, that's really interesting. But it was a small misunderstanding. It was Bilbo not grasping um, the significance of the symbol on their door. And, um, but yeah, it was it was really nice. But the mistletoe one is hilarious because they're losing their minds. They're posting guards everywhere. And Bilbo was like, oh, I want his kisses. <laughs> but, but, you know, the thing is, the mistletoe is poison. It is so it poison, actually makes, which makes sense the fact that, that we consider... use it for kissing. So it actually makes sense that they would consider it a death threat. So, but yeah, it's pretty funny. I'm looking at to read for later. I really enjoy that one. Okay, so there were two. Earlier we talked about the misunderstanding about I'm I'm pregnant. 
ah, ha, ha, aren't you a funny little hobbit? There were two, and the one we had mentioned earlier was Dumb as Rocks, and that didn't actually look all that familiar to me. But then Rogue found the right story, the story I was thinking of. They're probably both, they're both have the same plot device. Um, but I hadn't actually read the Dumb as Rocks one because it wasn't familiar to me. Um, the one that I was thinking of was What to Expect When You're Expecting by... <laughs> I'm done. I'm done with the funny names. A-L-K-J-I-R-A. So there were two. We're going to call her Jay. Jay. Jira. Jira. What's up, girl? Jira. What's up, girl? <laughs> we like your pick. I've actually read this one, too. Um, it's a series, and it's... Um... Oh, the same author. Under the Mistletoe is the same author that wrote the one I just talked about. Jira, uh, this is same author. Willow Ann found it for us because she finds everything. The mistletoe threat. <laughs> oh, yeah. I need to read that. i got stuff to read when I go to bed tonight. But I really enjoyed the mistletoe one. It's it's great. Um, very fun. Um, but there are those misunderstandings in the Hobbit fandom. They're just devastating where Bilbo goes home and he thinks he's been banished, but they lifted it, but he didn't understand um, because of, you know, cultural differences. Or he leaves before Thorin wakes up and he thinks that Thorin had died. Um, and he doesn't. And he sits there in his little Hobbit hole. And mourns. Sometimes he plants the acorn, and a baby happens. Because <laughs> there's nothing, nothing wrong with a cabbage patch dwarvet. Nothing wrong with that at all. <laughs> nothing. That's all sunshine and red. That's all sunshine and flowers, baby. I fucking love cabbage patch babies. It is my favorite thing. <laughs> but Completely you know, my one favorite thing, thing when you're thinking about writing a misunderstanding. Um, or you're going to use that as a plot device. And I I can believe that misunderstandings could happen with Thorin. Okay? I totally buy that. <laughs> like, if somebody says that there's going to be a misunderstanding in their story, then they tell me that one of the main characters is Thorin. That's all they need to understand. Yep. they need to say. I get it. <laughs> Thorin's involved. Misunderstanding will happen. Um, but, you know, it's sort of like if you're going to have Thorin realize that there's a misunderstanding – Especially if Thorin's going to realize them. Waiting until Bilbo is all the way back home to address the understanding, misunderstanding is a touch strange. That's a long walk. <laughs> they could catch up to it's him. a real long walk. That's like a four-month walk without yeah. distractions and imprisonment. That's like four months. I'm, I measured it. <laughs> Actually, I think it's four and a half months on, on pony um, and like six months on foot. I had it written down somewhere, especially on Hobbit foot, because he doesn't have a big stride. <laughs> he's got big feet, <laughs> but but he's not walking fast. <laughs> no, so it's like when the when the misunderstanding, if they're already aware of the misunderstanding, um, waiting until Bilbo's home to address it is it, you have to be careful. Make sure you don't strain the credulity of your audience. You know. Um, because why would, you know, if Thorin's going to address the problem, wouldn't he want to address it before Bilbo is all the way back to the Shire? 
you know? Wouldn't, wouldn't he want to, you know, deal with it where he didn't have to go for six months to get back to him? Um, you know, granted, he may not want to go to Mirkwood, but it is a little bit closer. Or even the Bears' house. Bjorn, is that how you say that? Bjorn. Bjorn. Yeah. It's um, closer, closer. Closer's good. Closer's good so you don't have to walk for six months. In Bees on Her Feet, um, Thorin pretty much um, immediately after the Battle of the Five Armies sends Nori after Bella. He's injured and can't go himself. He sends Nori. And Nori basically searches for her everywhere because she didn't go home like she was supposed to. But um, that's because she found out she had the one ring and she took it to Mordor. And nobody was expecting that shit. (laughs) So Nori went to the Shire first and couldn't find her. He He thought he was following her home, but just wasn't catching up with her. But he was going in the opposite direction from her. And so he does eventually find her, and then he goes back to tell Thorin, you know, what he's discovered. Um, but if you're going to have Bilbo go straight home, I think even Rivendell is a better option and a reasonable option because um, Bilbo loved Rivendell. He loved being there. He thought it was beautiful and amazing, and um, there's no reason why he wouldn't stop there for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. Especially as as kind of heartbroken as he is at the end of the Hobbit, for yeah. whatever reason you give him for being heartbroken, him he is just broken. But that's also that's the case of again where you could have that if you do have that misunderstanding about where Bilbo would go born out of cultural misunderstanding because a dwarf thinking like a dwarf may not be able to conceive that someone voluntarily spend time with elves. Right. Why would would they go there? there? You know, (laughs) but there's a really interesting one where, um, Bilbo and Thorin, um, part on bad terms. Um, and before, um, before everything happened with the Arkansas and everything, Thorin had given Bilbo a lock of hair. Well, among Dwaro, that that's a um, a token of of intent. Um, I want to court you. I want to marry you. I want I, I, you know I want you to be with me. But for hobbits, it means something entirely different. Um, and like Bilbo have a baby leaves, with me. <laughs> yes, exactly. Bilbo leaves thinking Thorin is dead. The whole Gone to the Stones thing. Um, right. And he goes home to the Shire, and he plant, and he plaits Thorin's hair with his own and plants it. Cabbage Patch Babies! And has two babies. One of them being the reincarnation of Durin the Deathless. So Gandalf comes to the Shire, and they're five or six years old. Drobbits. And he's like, Bilbo Baggins, what have you done? <laughs> and Bilbo thought that Thorin, Keeley, and Feely were dead. And he was like, I, I'm making the best of my situation. <laughs> you gave <laughs> me your baby. hair. You and so hair. he goes, so Gandalf's like, you're going to have to, we're going to we're gonna be taking a trip. <laughs> so he takes them back to, to the mountain. Um, because they literally cannot leave the reborn during the deathless in the fucking Shire. <laughs> Well, it's just not a good idea. Um, and so they take him back to the mountain, and um, 
that's when Thorin um, realizes that Bilbo thought he was dead, and that's why he never wrote to them or anything. Thorin thought he hated him, that he didn't forgive him for what happened at the gate, and he hated him and didn't want anything to do with him. So he was leaving Bilbo alone um, out of respect. Uh, but come to find out, Bilbo was in the Shire having babies. <laughs> Growing babies. He was growing babies. But yeah. It's adorable. Um It is adorable. Uh but I love Dwabbits. It's my favorite thing. Cabbage patch Dwabbits. You can't get much better than that. I think yeah, that one was tagged the first that was the first um Cabbage Patch baby story I read. And um mm-hmm. and uh I was so curious because it was tagged I didn't know what it was. Um, and it was tagged inexplicable babies, and I was like, "What is an inexplicable baby?" And then it says implied impreg, and it says of a sort, and I was like, "What does any of that mean? Inexplicable babies?" And so, of course, I had to read, and then they're they're planted, and I was so charmed. I just I never got over it. It's like my favorite 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 man has a baby trope. I don't, I don't call it impreg. It's if if the, if the baby isn't inside the dude, it is not impreg, but it is a man having a baby. But yeah, I love it. It is incredible. It's a great trope, and um, and planted. That's also planted babies is a great opportunity for misunderstandings because who is going to understand that? It has such. Um, what do you mean? You what do you mean? You your babies come from inside you. It, it goes both ways. Um, a hobbit who hasn't been exposed to very many outsiders encountering a pregnant person is probably going to, if they plant their babies, is probably going to find that mystifying. What, what do you mean you put your baby you inside doing? of you? Why would you do that? How do you that? get out? <laughs> the best part with the cabbage patch thing is the babies often, when they come out of the ground, they're already capable of, of standing up and speech and stuff. So they're really kind of, um, they're very aware of their surroundings. And, there was one fic where I read where Bilbo was like, well, how did it feel being in another person? How did it feel when you came out? Was it upsetting? <laughs> and they're like, we don't remember that. <laughs> don't worry about it. We have, we have no memories of that process. Because Bilbo was genuinely concerned about them. And he was like, that really explains why big people are so sour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, and it, that's there they are in the shire. Cultural misunderstandings. <laughs> <laughs> Cultural misunderstandings are great um, for humor, for um, for just if you need a misunderstanding to make something happen. Cultural is a good place to go to if you don't have something that your character. But it's I think with misunderstandings, the things you want to avoid is just to have them feel completely contrived. Um, because readers are going to notice that. It's interesting to me. I sometimes have writers tell me that readers aren't going to notice something, that it's okay that something is weird because readers aren't going to notice. Um, and sometimes that may be true. That may be true. Um, but I think, especially when things are, feel very contrived, I think readers do notice when it's something feels like it's it has no basis in anybody's character or in the events that are happening, it's just inexplicable misunderstanding. Um, 
that allows the plot to move forward. There are times when I see something in my work and I'll be like, that's really fucking annoying. And I, I recognize that it's a quirk in me and in my craft and my, in my thought process. And no one genuinely is going to notice it unless I point it out. Right. Um, you know, if, if I'm unhappy with the sequence of events in my story, that's my unhappiness. You're not going to be able to discern that from reading my story. But there are, you're right, there are instances where um, you um, um, you make a mistake in your characterization and your consistency um, in your scene structure, and it will resonate throughout your whole story, and it will put your reader off. And they might not even recognize why they're put off by the story, but they'll still be, they'll still be put off. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, so in the case of things that readers may not, a tiny, only a tiny, small slice of readers are going to notice is like, for years, and I still do this in, in, instinctually. I still treat the word "then" as a coordinating conjunction instead of a subordinating conjunction, and I know it's wrong, but I can't stop myself. How many readers have actually noticed that I do that? Well, if you told them what it actually meant, they might. <laughs> <laughs> See, if you would speak from English, damn it. No, I, I know what you mean, but there are plenty of listeners who don't. So give an example. Well, um, when you have a sentence that has and, but, or are all coordinated conjunctions, they bring coordinate together to potentially, they can be, they don't have to function as a coordinated conjunction. When you're bringing two independent clauses together, you need a coordinating conjunction, and you use a comma before the conjunction. Um, when you are bringing an independent and a dependent clause together with a conjunction, you need a subordinating conjunction, and there is no comma, and the list of subordinating conjunctions is so long. Most words can function as more than, more than just that, just like and can be a coordinating conjunction or just a regular conjunction. Um, then can be... Um, something other than a subordinating conjunction. But when it comes to joining clauses together, you have coordinating and subordinating. And then is always a subordinating conjunction in the, in the case of joining clauses together. Um, though is subordinating. Um, so. so, for example, Tom walked down the street and entered, and then entered a cafe. That's wrong. Tom walked down the street and entered a cafe. That's accurate. Tom walked down the street, then entered a cafe. That's accurate. But you don't need to put and and then together because it's pra- the thing is, is and requ- means that they're doing this. That, that these are events that are connected. Then means an event after, right? Right. So subordinating um, implies that the clause that comes with the clause subordinating conjunctions can come at the front of a sentence too. Not conjunctions. Mm-hmm. Subordinate clauses can come at the front of a sentence, but usually they come at the latter half. When they're at the latter half of a sentence, they get a subordinating conjunction between the clauses. And it's a clause that um, is affected by the primary clause. So, um, <laughs> you just got the conjunction, out. junction. <laughs> so, in, in Kara's example, um, Tom walked to the store, then hit somebody, um, that would be completely in- inaccurate because you've got two independent clauses. So that would be and then hit somebody. Um, 
or you can even do and hit somebody because you've got. But if you've got a if you've got a a dependent clause as opposed to because tell them to the store actually and hit somebody as actually that's not a that's not an independent clause. So there would be no there's not in that case you've got um, just the then is correct. It need to be and or then like Kira said he. You I make got a one or the other. A policy of never putting and and then together on purpose. I do it sometimes because I'm country, but I don't mean to um, because um, sometimes there are very limited circumstances where you can do it where it's not inaccurate, but you can always leave it out and not be wrong. Yeah, it, you, you do it the way where you do it that it's accurate is at the end of a um, serial list. So. Um, I got up this morning, ate some peas, and then kicked someone's ass. Um, that's correct. I think correct. you mean you ate some Wheaties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's the case of and and then go together when you are implying passage of time in a serial list. Uh, you do put and and then together. but Because um, you can't just do then. Then is not a conjunction that you can use. As, so like, I got up, went to the store, then kicked some ass. That would be incorrect. It would be and then kicks them out. So that's just, but that's just, but anyway, it's a quirk in my writing that I treat then like and, but, or, or. And I shouldn't because <laughs> it's not the same. It's not the same type of conjunction. Um and I, yeah, so I instantly put the comma. And where the the clue is, I put a comma in front of then, and ninety percent of the time, that's wrong. So, so that isn't an invitation for you to go over to her site and point out all the instances where she's done that, so she can correct them. I really don't. I know it's there. I know it's there. So, and does I don't it need your it, input, right? And I don't see it. And and most most people who've ever baited in my life for me don't see it. No, I never because, see it. You know, it's just it's just it's just a quirk. I know I do it. Uh, I can spot it in other people's writing. I can't spot it in my own. So it's just one of those things that is a quirk of my writing that I'm aware of, but that I also, when I say, I don't think most readers are going to notice that that's wrong. So I'm going to try to live with the fact that this error riddles my work. That's probably true, that most people are, most people are not going to look at that and understand the difference between subordinating conjunctions and coordinating ones. Um, and why, or it, even if they do think it's wrong, they may not be able to articulate to me why it's wrong. Um, but most of them probably aren't going to notice because it's a it's it's a comma that feels probably feels natural because commas. Sometimes it commas. can read out loud awkward. So mm-hmm. if you're reading out loud to yourself, you might notice it more. Right. So if I said that, it might be true. But if I said that, um, if I was talking about a contrived plot point, and I said, well, I don't think most readers are going to notice that, that might be a little bit arrogant. <laughs> because um, most readers do notice contrivances in work. Something feels stilted, or it feels made able to say, can articulate, like Kira said, why um, it feels weird or that they stopped enjoying it or that the pace felt off. And it's usually because it, so they might attribute it to pacing, but it could just be that something was just super contrived and just fell flat. And something falling flat can feel like a pace issue. You're reading it and all of a sudden everything just feels kind of like, what? That wasn't funny. Or, or you're was... like, this is actually kind of boring. Let me click over to something else for a little bit. <laughs> and you won't even yeah. know why you're suddenly bored, but you are. 
you get dragged and, down, and you're like, oh, my God, what a scene ever fucking in, and you don't know why. Yeah. So, I was, you know, I was talking to somebody earlier today about something that thematically was really um, convenient. <laughs> Let's just call it convenient. And uh, their response was that their readers aren't going to notice. Quote, the readers aren't going to notice that they're going to be too invested in my story by that point. <laughs> okay, your arrogance, whatever you say. I have never assumed, I mean, I have assumed people won't notice shit, or if they do notice, they won't care enough to comment, or they're afraid of me, but I have never assumed it would be because they were too engrossed in my my, my brilliance to, to comment. That That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. (sighs) They're going to be so interested in what's happening in my story, they're not going to notice that this is really contrived. All right. Well, I hope that works out for you. I'm having an issue, and it's Harry Potter um, is my issue, and um, it's because I'm um, I have a whole bunch of Hobbit fix in in progress, which is a um, a side effect of binge binge reading The Hobbit. of course, I had a bunch of them anyway, but now I have uh, two new ones, um, literally two new ones since the 1st of October. Or no, the Harry Potter one's a little bit older than that, but I've been binge reading for a while. Um, I think I probably read close to 300 fics in the past two months. Um, anyways, uh, I was... Um, the thing about Harry Potter is that when you stick Harry Potter in a world like... Um, Middle Earth. You can't not give him magic because the whole fucking place is magical, right? Um, and you could say that his magical his magic isn't compatible, but then why the fuck would you have Harry Potter on Middle Earth if his magic wasn't compatible? Why is he even there? How did he get there? <laughs> I don't. You know, so, okay, you can't do that. And, okay, if Harry goes back to Earth and does what he has to do because he really literally has no choice because um, the magic that brought him to Middle Earth is going to make him pay the price for it. Uh, So he does that and he comes back because Bilbo raised him and that's his daddy and he's going to come home as soon as he can, right? That makes sense. But he's not going to come back with nothing because if Harry Potter's ever been exposed to a broom, he's bringing back a firebolt. Why wouldn't he? Would he not? Because that's one of the main joys that Harry got out of magic was flying. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't he bring his broom back? Okay, so he has his broom, so he's using it to scout around and find orcs. That makes sense, right? But then I get to the point where they're at the fucking... Merkwood, I'm thinking to myself, you know what? Harry could fly to the fucking mountain, get the coordinates, make a fucking port key, <laughs> go back to those assholes, or if he's made an apparition point where they're currently standing, he could apparate back there, and then port keys their ass right to the lonely mountain. What the fuck am I going to do? Because that's ridiculous. I had this whole thing plotted about Merkwood that makes absolutely no sense. And so I posted this on Facebook, and a couple of people said, well, you can just break his broom. Why the fuck would I break Harry Potter's broom? That's the only thing he got back from basically Earth that he enjoys. Why would I take that up? I'm not J.K. Rowling. I'm not killing his owl either, okay? <laughs> what is wrong with you people? Anyways, so now I have to repot my whole shit. And I was like, what if... Now, see, the thing is, is Harry Potter came back to Middle-earth in my story against the wishes 
of the British government um, with, with the goblins' help. Um, and I'm thinking to myself, what would happen if um, there's a throwaway line where Hermione has followed Harry to Middle Earth and she is telling Harry what Dumbledore tried to get her to do to, to bring Harry back to their original world and how the the goblins were really pissed off and offered to have a rebellion um, in protest to Dumbledore's ridiculous actions, and she had agreed that it would be a good idea. I thought, wait, what if they actually did have a rebellion? And basically, that after she left, um, that they fell into another war, but they, but they're at war with the goblins. And I was like, oh no, wait, what do I do with that? And then I realized oh, I can bring all those people. I can bring all those people that the British government. Um, mistreats to Middle Earth. <laughs> and I clap my hands. It's going to be so cracky. I'm like, okay, who can the goblins rescue? And I was like, wait, who None can't do. they rescue? No. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to rescue everybody except the dragons. Uh, <coughs> maybe some dragons. I don't know. That, that but could I was, they could bring, they could bring good dragons. That could bring the and dragons. Then nobody has to I'm not sure there are good dragons because if you think about it, the dragons that are even in Gridnox, they're they're magically manipulated and controlled. Um, it's practically slavery. I, I really did not like the way the, the dragons were treated in canon. It so really bothered me. So I think I'm gonna leave the dragons behind just because that would be um, iffy with the with Thorin and company wanting to keep dragons around their mountain, considering um, their traumatic memories of Smog's visit. His 200-year visit. By leaving the dragons behind, there's somebody to eat the wizarding world, you know? So it yes, works. Yes, yes, yeah, absolutely that works too. But I'm thinking we, we, can have, we can have merpeople and werewolves and unicorns. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it's going to be so cracky. And I can't help myself. It keeps happening. I was like, who else can they rescue? Merpeople. Because there's a lake right there. They can have a new lake. It'll be great. <laughs> I'm not That'll even ashamed awesome. of myself. I, but, I, just, um, I had this, I had this vision because you'd think naturally, kind of elves would have a natural affinity for, for um, unicorns, and then I just had this vision of like unicorns poking Thranduil in the ass, you know. <laughs> well, he is an like We don't like. We don't you. like oh, you. Terrible. You're a dick. You're a dick. <clears throat> but you know he'd want one. He definitely of could be he right. Yeah, um, to I'm ride on. allowed to ride one. Yeah, absolutely. He'd want one. He'd, he'd definitely want one. Um, wouldn't it be great if, like, unicorns just hated elves <laughs> and loved dwarves? <laughs> Dwaro. <laughs> Dwaro. Dwaro. Um, they just love the dwarves. They just love all the... They're like, yay, little people. <laughs> I love these little short-ass shits. <clears throat> but what I have done in the story is make the goblins of Earth, um, um, they're actually dwarves. Um, they're, um, um, and the dwar- the dwarves that are in the main bank are petty dwarves. Um, and they have magic. And there are other dwarves, um, other goblins on Earth that very people have seen. They're the warrior class, which look like the dwaro from Middle Earth. And so there are all these, there, there's kind of like... Um, a little variant, and so I'm calling them the the, the diverger, um, and that's their actual species name. And um, that goblins is actually a derogatory term that magical people use for them. 
And I'm oh, really, nice. I'm really, I'm really kind of really excited about it. But then there's also this crack issue. <laughs> but I have to say that um, unicorns are definitely coming. <laughs> there's going to be unicorns. There's definitely, and centaur. I can't wait to have centaur. I'm so excited about the centaur. It's going to be awesome. So somebody pinged me privately and asked a question. If I always, if if when I'm reading, um, do I analyze um, what's wrong with people's stories when I don't like something? Um, no. No one, unless somebody asks me for a recommendation or they ask me if I enjoyed something and why I might or might not have enjoyed it, then I'll stop and think about it. Um, so the only time that that I would do that is if I was having a conversation with somebody about a story, which doesn't actually happen all that often. Uh, but no, I don't spend a lot of time analyzing um, the craft issues in other people's stories because that's a lot of time. Because usually, if I'm going to analyze craft issues in something, I'm, that means I'm not enjoying it, and that's a lot of time and energy spent put into something I'm not liking. So, uh, I think that what you do when you when you try to do that, when you try to figure out. Um, why one particular story has put you off, um, you end up limiting yourself as as a reader. Um, like I said earlier, that I don't like that. I don't think I could ever write a story where Bilbo forgives and has an intimate relationship with Thorin after he tried to kill him. But I can read it. Yeah, yeah. But I don't write it. Um, you know, it's funny because you, you talked about work you, for me. You talked about wandering away from the story when you're reading it because you just kind of know something's wrong, which you're not really sure what, you know, or you got bored, you don't know why. I mean, I do the same thing. I don't stop and think about what I'm doing. Um, at one point, and this happened to me more in Harry Potter than anything else, um, where I just something sort of fizzles at some point, and it's usually like, okay, I'm going to maybe come back to this later. And because usually it's because I've invested quite a bit of time in something, I think I might want to come back to it later, or maybe I'll just, my curiosity will get piqued later about what was going on in that story. So I leave the tab open. On, I read mostly on my iPad. And so I leave the tab open and um, come back, maybe. And it, inevitably, any time I'm reading Harry Potter, I max out the number of tabs. If I'm on a Harry Potter binge, I max out the number of tabs I can have open in the web browser. Max we out with all, slow all these to stories. embrace Harry Potter anyway. I was. So I was. You came in late to the fandom, so there's a lot out there. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of stories that are almost essentially the same. Mm-hmm. And People so sometimes explore the I same kind of... tropes over and over again, and you're like, damn, is there anything original for me to listen to read? <laughs> <laughs> so, but so, I, you know, and it used to be, and here's the alarm thing, I'd maxed out the number of tabs that I would have open, which is, it used to be in the last version of um, the software, it was 36 tabs that you could have open. And when I would hit to the point where I couldn't open any more tabs, I go, "Crap! I got to go really analyze what I've got open and close some stuff." Um, and you know, <laughs> I really decide if I'm going to come back to these things. Well, in the latest update of the software, and the, I, I, this worries me, you can now have unlimited. And somebody Uh-oh. has tested it up to 500 tabs open. Um, yeah, I can't go on a Harry Potter binge without policing myself ever again, because I can't have 500 tabs open of Harry Potter stories that I then have to go back well, and analyze. Do I really want to? I could, but it would be could, a good idea. I could, but I don't want to, because at some point, having to deal with 36 stories where you have to decide if you really want to read it again, but that's the case. I mean, I tend to, I, do, I don't tend to stop and go, what wasn't I enjoying? Cause now, sometimes there is a mood thing, um, and usually I know the story's going really well, but it's a little bit too dark for the mood I'm in right now, um, or whatever. 
and so I'll take a break from it or something. But in that case, I I really remember the story because I'm I w- I thought it was good, but I just needed to wait for the time. And some stories I just you know like I got bored. Well, why did I get bored? I'm not sure. Um, and I, I really don't spend a lot of time stopping and thinking about why it's not doing it for me. Um, but um, it's funny. There's one story. It's actually it was actually an NCIS story. Well, based on the description, I'd read it and go. That sounds like it's right up my alley. Um, I wonder why I've never read that. And then I'd start to read it and go, this seems vaguely familiar, but I'm not sure why. And then I get kind of bored and I wander away from it. And I go, I really need to finish that story. And then the whole rest of the story would be completely familiar. <laughs> and there's something, and I've never, if I did stop to analyze what was going on in the story, and I can't, Really say anything because it would be, I would be very identifying. But there was something in that beginning that really put me off. That was super. It was super contrived. It was actually a contrived misunderstanding. Actually, um, that so put me off that getting through it would always push me away. I would always close, go to go to a different tab, and open something else, and then come back. And I must have done that at least ten times for the end of that story to be so familiar. Like I knew it word for word practically, and it was really good. But the beginning, I apparently always wandered away from it at the same point, so that the beginning and the end did not feel like the same story to me because I always just connected <laughs> at the same point. So I remembered the end of the story, but I didn't remember the beginning. So I would always I asked somebody once, I'm trying to find the story, but I can't find it. And they pointed the story, me to that story. This is that story. I said, no, it's not. I've never read that story <laughs> because the beginning wasn't familiar. And I realized after I had done this repeatedly that I always wandered away from the story in the same contrived spot where I was just like had had it to my eyeballs with this misunderstanding contrived circumstance that had pulled the whole plot off, it was the crux of the whole plot. And then I uh, come back and read the rest, and go, oh, this is really good. And so I always think of the end as the story. And whenever anybody tried to tell me the beginning was the story I was looking for, I'd be like, that's not the right story. I've never read this. <laughs> I'm sure I've never read this. I have really, the race track in my Harry Potter crossover, Azure. Um, there's a running gag in it, actually, um, about Hermione. Hermione comes after Harry. Um, he leaves her behind with a love letter, and she's not She's really unhappy to be told that he's in love with her after he's left for another fucking planet. Um, version planet, version of the planet that she's on. Um, not on her planet anymore. She's mad. Um, anyway, she runs around and does some shopping. Well, every time he thinks he needs something, she pops it out of her bracelet and hands it to him. And he's like, he for a while he just accepts it, right? But then he's like, okay, seriously, what do you what do you have in your bracelet? And she admitted that she went to um, the goblin center to New York to do her shopping so the Order of Phoenix wouldn't find out. And she went into all these various stores, both mug- muggle and magical, and just summoned everything she might need. <laughs> <laughs> Literally everything she might need. Everything. Um, and used all the money that he had left her um, to pay for it. So she's got millions, she spent millions of gallon, galleons 
um, buying all these things, and she's got like 20 trunks full of shit in her bracelet. So he's like, I'm going to need a piece of granite, and she just pops it right out. <laughs> so it's a running Here joke in the story. I really like some oranges. Here you go. <laughs> she's got oranges. She's got eggs. Whatever you might need, whatever she might need for the rest of her life is in that bracelet. And it's hilarious, and it makes me happy. So that's a running gag in that story. It's called Small Magics because um, the people of Middle-earth, um, even the elves, have what Harry calls small magic. They don't have enough magic for a focus outside of the wizards. Um, but, they are all, but they're all magical. Every one of them. Did you, um, did you change the title? I did. Oh, okay. I'm like, are there two of these? <laughs> no, no, yeah. I, I, I changed the title. Um, because I don't know what I, I honestly forget what I what I named it before, um, but when I came across um, the discussion of the small magics, I realized that that was the perfect title. Yeah, it's a Harry Poppins bracelet, Mary Poppins, um, and it's just it's fucking Harry hilarious. Harry Poppins is hysterical. Harry Poppins, yeah, that I won't go from there from now on. No, it's not available yet, but because I'm still writing it and it's still in its rough draft and it's gonna get really cracky. There's there's gonna be more people in the lake. Lake Town will never be the same. <laughs> um, but um, it's just it's it it really makes me happy that every time one of them thinks they need something, she just pops it right out of her bracelet. <laughs> oh, I really need a hammer. Oh, here you go. <laughs> they would they would they, I'll bet you they would start having it'd be like you know starting to have a running bet who can find who can think of something so she's not going to have in that she bracelet she doesn't have in her bracelet so um but, so yeah it just it, it amused me because um cuz what what would magic do if you could do that if you could go into a bookstore and summon every book you might need for the rest of your life or if you go into you know say a, a target or a walmart or or whatever and you summon everything you might need and it's like, what what would magic give you? What would magic? How how intelligent is magic? Basically, what it boils down to. And I thought to myself, that is so funny. <laughs> <coughs> I got really amused with myself. And so, so when she tells Harry this, he's just he doesn't even know what to do. He's like, what? <laughs> so, yeah, it amused me. Being amused by ourselves is the best thing. I think that when you're writing fan fiction, that amusing and entertaining yourself should be your first, your first and best goal. <laughs> oh, definitely. This is making me miserable. Why are you doing it? Now I'm gonna make a list of things for her to pull out of her bracelet. Just this crazy shit. Well, I can't, I can't even think of crazy shit because, like, everything I could think of would be something. I'm like, would she have? Yes, of course she would have that. It's eminently <laughs> practical. Of course she would have that. But you know, somebody, somebody asked, why would you do it if it's not entertaining you? Um, I have talked to people who their writing is making them miserable, and they act like they have to do it, or they think they have to do it, or they've been guilted and feeling like they have to do it. And I don't want to belabor. Um, the point, but a lot of times it's because writers are listening to um, advice from too many people, whether it's readers or 
whoever. They're just getting. They're just not listening to their own voice, and they're just. It's like the story is making me miserable. Well, why is it going this direction? Oh, well, I got these ideas from my readers really wanted to see this. I'm like, what? If like, no, no, it's just my brain <laughs> see, stops working for danger. a while when I hear that. That's the danger, and I talked about this before um, in my my um, post about fandom. Um, and how some writers create these kinds of, of readers who invest themselves, and they encourage this. And then they release these readers out on the rest of the fandom, and we have to deal with them. But it's really the it, – it really – a lot of times, not every time, but a lot of times it starts with a writer who doesn't really know where they're going or what they're going to do. So they invite their readers into their process, and they create little monsters. And then – they get um, beyond the monsters that they've created, uh, which is hilarious because I'm currently holding a little minion, like, you know, from the movie. I have a little yellow one. Um, he's got two eyes. I'm not sure who he is. He could be Stuart. Um, I'm I'm literally holding a minion right now. I'm I'm, I'm holding a little monster. Um, but um, what? Uh, I got I got totally distracted. Oh, but see, then you have this writer who has let their readers get so deep into their process that they feel obligated um, to meet their demands. Yeah, and they go sometimes down a a crazy path that they have no vision for. Um, And they go, I don't know what to do with this now. And and the feedback from the readers dried up because the reader thought it would be a cool thing, but they certainly didn't have a vision for it either. And now it's abandoned. It's marked complete on fanfiction.net, but it's really been abandoned. <laughs> do not. not that's, that the rude thing you can, that's the rudest thing you can do is mark something complete that's been abandoned. That's just... So good. fucking that, rude. That just it's nullifies. It's getting around people who search for completed works only. And I'm that person who checks the box, completed works I am only. Too. And when I get something and then it's like I've abandoned the story because I don't know what to do with it, so I'm marking it as complete. Now, if you came to a place that is a stopping point and you want to call it done, fine, but then don't call it abandoned. If it's right? abandoned, it's not finished. Move on. Just let it be unfinished. Oh, blah, blah, blah. me nuts. Fanfiction.net should have a, an option that literally says this fic will never be complete. Ever. But that is, you know, I I was reading something recently. I actually, I turned away in the author notes. Yeah, I turned away in the author notes because the author notes basically told me up front that they were taking a lot of advice from readers in how they were doing stuff in their story. Oh, based upon some things I heard from my readers and this and this and this, I decided to do this and this and this and this, and so I'm going to do this and we'll do this. I'm like, uh, that's just a big red flag. It's a big red flag because you can't group, 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 you can group brainstorm. You can brainstorm with your people, but you cannot really group plot. It it is just rife with inconsistencies. And so when I that's when not I read like Max planet, that's Mars. That's a red planet. Yeah. <laughs> it is a whole red planet. It's like, what are you doing? No, 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 no. Um, now I think I think the that one I ran away from. It actually was a completed work, but. Um, usually these are incompleted works that I see this kind of thing on. It's like, oh, my readers are really into this. and Or I'm talking to people, and they're miserable with their fan fiction. And, it, and I hear the words, well, why did, you, why did you do this thing that's making you miserable? And then what's my readers were suggesting, and they all really wanted. 
No. What, what did you? But what did you want? Well, I didn't really have a vision for where to go. Well, then you take a break. Then you take a break. If you hit the point where you have to make a decision and you don't have your own vision, stop. Just stop. Cancers. Fucking cancers. Just wait. I love you, Lady Holder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but pantsers, come on now. I think that's one reason why pantsers probably shouldn't work, shouldn't, shouldn't post works in progress. Uh, as I say this as we're going into RT, um, it's a risk. It's one of the reasons why you shouldn't risk posting in um, public if you're susceptible to the suggestions of other people. Uh, now, if you're a pantser who doesn't care what anybody thinks, you go and do your own thing, that's fine. But if you're one of those people who kind of waffles a little bit and a, one opinion can, can set you off in a new direction, you need to be very careful about posting your works in progress. Because <clears throat> it can be very damaging to you worse, um, as you a writer and to your story. I mean, worse if if you get dis- if, if you are disconnected, if you don't know where you're going, not just attend the waffle, but if you really don't have a clue with where the, where the next chapter is coming from, you're waiting for inspiration to strike. It is really dangerous if that inspiration strikes from your comments, because that shit needs to be thought out. So at least have another writer back there somewhere that you can bounce things off of, or a beta reader, or somebody who's got some experience in plotting and working out plot problems. Before you go down, the, go down doing the crazy. Because, and if something sounds interesting to your reader, but you're not really sure about it, if especially if you, unless it just, if you hear something that just sounds so great, go for it. But if it sounds, if you're waffling at all, or you're not certain how you could make that work, the worst thing you can do is put it down on, in the next chapter. Because if you don't have a vision for it when you write it down, that that's not going to resolve itself um, magically. <laughs> it really doesn't. And I talked to so many people who were so frustrated with their stories. And I'm like, well, this isn't where I thought this story was going to go. Well, I don't know who, um, who, who else could have that vision but you as the writer. The writer has to have that vision. Now, I did talk to somebody once who had a really hard time with longer stories, um, with not getting reader feedback because it just felt so isolating to write a really long story in a vacuum. I would encourage you to part piece if that's you. Chunk it smaller. Break it into episodes. Do make make a series of short stories. Do something that will give you smaller pieces to work with, so that you're not um, so disconcerted by working in a vacuum. And that's because that's what it feels like to some people is that they're working in a vacuum. Um, and that's what that's what I mean, of course that's of course that's what professional writers do is they do work in a vacuum for a long period of time. Um, but fan fiction writers aren't in the same boat. So if that's a struggle for you, make a bunch of small stories to craft your larger narrative so that you're not, you know, or you can do a whip, you know, if you've got a strong vision and you're not going to be swayed by other people's opinions, then do that. But I think one of the most dangerous places you can be in is to not have a vision for where you're going and start posting. Because you're going to be so And then invite your readers into your process. And they will, and the thing is, getting them out once they're in is really difficult. It creates a mob mentality. If you don't believe me, go over to fanfiction.net and click on practically anything over there. (laughs) It's mobbish. It's, it's, 
Um, it's um, it, it honestly, it, you're like you're reading this and you're thinking, how the hell? I mean, even with completed work, you're thinking to yourself, how the hell did this writer get through this and complete this work? Did she just not even read her comments? Sometimes you have to. You just have to stop reading it. I've done that several times where I just started um, funneling my comments. I have a filter that I can turn on and off where my comments automatically go to a folder, and I just don't know that they're there. I turn off notifications on WordPress, so I just don't see it. Because sometimes I just don't want to hear it. Although, I have not found a good solution for turning off the going to my site and asking me questions that I have not been answering through comments. Check off your comment form. Well, I could, but I mean, a comment form is like people notify me of problems, or there's a lot of legitimate communication that comes with the comment form. But then there's all this other stuff that's sort of like, well, when are you going to be working on this? And, you know, you haven't answered. You haven't answered my last twelve questions about when you're. Have you the visited story. my comment form? I I think I sent you something snarky through your comment form one day, didn't I? I think one of the benefits of my comment form is that um, I have all these snarky options. Um, for your for the uh subject line and oh, that's right. it really it really cuts down on what people send me um because like for instance one of my um subject lines is I'm not a writer but I'm going to give you plot advice anyway mm-hmm. another one is I know you hate nitpicks but I don't give a shit and I think when they click on that and they see those options, sometimes they reconsider what they're going to do. Because <laughs> I don't get those anymore. <laughs> I used to get them when the only option was feedback or login help. <laughs> but after I started putting all these snarky-ass um, subject lines, uh, people stopped doing that shit to me. I don't think I ever read the whole list because I think the last thing I sent you that was kind of snarky was, you're so vain you probably think this email is about you. And I don't think I read any further because I was like, that's the one I have to pick. I didn't remember. I think I was I think I was actually writing you about a broken link, and I didn't even notice there was a queen bitch of the Pegasus of the Galaxy. I found a broken link. <laughs> yeah, I need to do that. I need to have a, you know an option about, you know, I'm calling, I'm writing to ask you about this story that you posted on Rough Trade. Is it, is it posted somewhere that I just can't mysteriously find on your site? Yes, because I do that. Because I do that. I post my Rough Trade yeah. stories other places. <laughs> yeah. I don't care. But yeah, that that really helps having the the um the uh subject lines that they can't fill in themselves and they have to pick one and um you know it I haven't gotten a nitpick through my comment form since, since I put that up about I know you hate nitpicks but I don't give a shit. I never had anybody use it and I didn't get any more nitpicks. <laughs> I'm going to have to I'm going to have to borrow that one especially but I want to put it at the top of the list. <laughs> For those of you who haven't seen my comment form, if you go to my site and you click on site info, you'll see contact. And beneath all my snarky-ass responses to questions I've already gotten and don't want to hear again, um, there is a contact form. If you click on subject, you can see all my subject lines. Um, and, yeah. 
I regret nothing. I have nothing. no idea what Minion Report and Close would be, but I'm going to find a way to use that for something. I'm going to, I'm going to um, need to come up with a report to send. It's actually um, for uh, the moderators of the chat room, um, because uh, if somebody acts up in the chat room, um, they can send that form and let me know that someone's being an asshole. You know what I read we've had that happen. So this could have been a misunderstanding because I, I sometimes read things that aren't there. You know, I think we've all done this where we read something and we read words that aren't there. Like one time I got this this notice about a bill that was due, and it said see notice below. But what I read twice was read notice in blood, and I was like, oh, they're really <laughs> serious about this fucking thing. Like, whoa, what did I do to these people? So sometimes you read things I'm not that aren't in you, my blood. <laughs> not sending, I, don't, I don't care what's the matter with you people. It's really, you guys are really hostile here. Um, but no, I, when I saw that Minion Report thing, the first time I read it was um, Minion Robert Report enclosed. I'm like, wow, she's got a line just reporting nasty Roberts on the internet. <laughs> well, there are. Actually, was it? Yeah, it was the Clan Robert. Yeah, it was Clan Robert. <clears throat> And Brad, but no, Robert is a clan Brad, yeah. Yeah, Robert is a clan Brad, um, or Brad is a clan Robert. I can't remember. I bet Azure, do you know? Anyway, but um, yeah, my favorite actually is you're so vain. You probably think this email is about you, and it actually originates from people who um called me vain for having a contact form to begin with. That's hysterical. Well, the I'm thing vain about for that, my commissions that... page. I'm vain for having my own website. I'm vain for having a chat room. I'm vain for having a rough trade site. I'm pretty sure they think I'm vain for having a wild hair project. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm double birding. I don't know who. Just somebody. But the funny thing about using that subject line is you pick it. Is of course the email's going to you. So of course you know it's just it's. It's about you. <laughs> it is about you. Unless I send you it's something about sunglasses. It's my favorite one. It's my favorite one. I do get a lot of contacts about sunglasses. I I don't understand that, but there it is. It's a bot, right? Yeah, I, I my and my spam filter should be catching those bots, but I do get a couple a week about you know sunglasses, so. I put that that um, picture capacha thing that you know catch oh, the, the bot capture code, and that helped. Yeah, I I don't I hardly ever get spammed through my um, contact form. She might consider it. I can tell you what contact form I use later if you if you want to know. It's not the native one. It's obviously yeah, because like they don't. Know. Oh, I I'll I'd, it prob- for you. I'd probably I'd probably actually make it very story. Story specific. If you're, I have a question about Slytherin Black. Even though I know you're not going to post it until it's finished. <laughs> <laughs> just, just nip that the bud. I'd love. How, how about I'd like to whine about Slytherin Black not being posted. So the thing is, is you want to put these up here, but you don't want them to actually use them to contact you because that defeats the purpose of having all these subjects. So you do it in a way that they're um, that you snarkily acknowledge that they're, what they're trying to do, but then makes them too embarrassed to do it. There you go. Is that rude? Probably. Is it vain? Certainly. I'm sure someone thinks so. Do you care? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> 
Not at all, not at all, not at all. It is effective. It is um very effective. I hardly ever and really my contact form was one of was one of the biggest sources of crap um that I got from people. Um that I don't get anymore. That'd be nice to cut that off because people send me a lot of weird crap in the contact form. Um one thing I definitely need to add to my form is um something along the lines of um my plot sucks, and I want your help, and I don't care if you have time. Because <laughs> yeah, one mean, of the I, side effects of this podcast and inviting people not into specific craft projects that I'm doing, but um, laying out my craft um, as a writer is that a lot that I have, I'm encountering um, young writers who um, can be quite demanding. Um, about getting my attention and um I don't know it's weird I, it, it's um like this podcast is an invitation for them to fill my inbox up with shit they can't figure out and I should fix it for them does that make sense yeah exactly um, I, I understand exactly what you mean and it's not an invitation it really is not. Um, I don't have time to mentor another a, a writer. I really do not. I actually have a, a, a writer um, in my meet space that I meet with regularly and um, mentor, I guess you would call it. Um, that uh, so she gets that time. <laughs> Sorry, not really. Um, I, I don't think you know online environments are are great for. Um, creating situations where you can interact with other writers, but a mentor relationship with with another writer requires face to face contact. It isn't something I think you can do online well, not on an individual basis. You at least have to be able to talk on the phone. I mean, I've talked done some mentorship with people over the phone. Um, yeah, but it, the conversation has to be more dynamic than you can achieve online. Um, where you have, we actually be able to swallow the threads of the conversation, and it, you start can start speaking a little bit in shorthand when you don't have to worry about tone of voice, or, or did I come across as, across as obnoxious? When they can hear your voice, they know you're not being obnoxious. It's, yeah, that's it's just, yeah. Because when you when you have to be brutal with somebody about their work, being able to connect to them, you know, meet their gaze, um, have a conversation with them in, in real time, where you're saying, okay. This is what I like. This is what I don't. This is um, um, this is where I think you need to work. But when you do that in an email or in a chat, it can be devastating. Where you do it in person, you can blunt it. It, it isn't as ugly. Anyways, that's just my opinion. <laughs> I agree. Okay, we're on a thirty seconds. Um, we may come back tomorrow. I don't know. You guys have a good night, and I hope. Your um your hump day is full of humps. <laughs> Say good night, Julie. Good night, everyone.